reading from the Old Testament, the book of the prophet Haggai. We're going to be reading in chapter 2, and I'm going to be abridging some of the words. So if you're following along in your Bible, you're going to see some of those nasty names that I'm leaving out, because I can. In the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel and to Joshua and to the remnant of the people and say, Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory, the old temple? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the promise that I made when you first came out of Egypt, my spirit abides among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts. Once again, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, so that the treasure of all nations shall come, and will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Reading also from the Gospel of our Lord according to Luke, the 20th chapter, beginning with verse 20. The religious authorities watched Jesus and sent spies who pretended to be honest in order to trap him by what he said so as to hand him over to the jurisdiction and authority of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you are right in what you say and teach, and you show deference to no one, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, being Jesus perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose head and whose title does it bear? They said, The emperor's? Jesus said to them, Then give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to trap him by what he said. And being amazed by his answer, they became silent. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, in this passage, gives us a crucial tool to use when we have important decisions to make. I don't know if Jesus meant to give us this tool or not, uh, or whether it was something that I imagined. Um, And there's a lot of things about God and Jesus I don't know, because their ways are way higher than mine. But, But 
I think there's something about this lesson that shows us that God's Word is alive and continues to be useful in new and unique ways all through the ages. Um, and some of you are wondering, you're saying, we thought the stewardship drive concluded last week. And indeed it did. <laughs> Although, if you haven't turned in your pledge, we will be happy to receive them. Because the way I look at this lesson, its focus is not really about money. It's the tool that Jesus uses to make a larger point. It's about choices and about priorities. That's the point that comes to me in this story. So I'm encouraging you not to get stuck on the financial aspect of it, but to look at the larger lesson that is here at play for us. So let's go to the story and see if I can convince you that this is true. Jesus is late in his ministry, and he's doing a lot of teaching, and people are coming, and they're listening, and the religious authorities who are not happy with Jesus are trying to find ways to do him in. You're all familiar with that part of the story. In fact, they have stepped up their attacking and opposition to him to a, to a higher level. Although they are still promising to be well-intentioned here, now they, the story admits that. They're trying to look like they're being honest, asking honest questions, and being well-intended. But really, they're ready to spring a, more, a mortal trap on Jesus. They, they want to they capture him. The problem is that they don't understand or believe, and probably never will, that Jesus isn't just any old rabbi. He's not just any old prophet. He is Jesus. And Jesus just refuses to cooperate with them. So they figure they have got Jesus trapped here. They, have, they are ready to gore him with the horns of a dilemma. Don't you like that? Isn't that clever? Jesus just doesn't cooperate. They feel like they got in between the rock and the hard place, but Jesus, like a Teflon politician, sneaks off and leaves them flailing. They are flailing so much that they are dumbfounded. Now, how often in your life have you run into a religious leader who doesn't have anything to say? Not terribly often. At least, it's not been my experience. There's more at stake in Jesus' teaching here than just trying to live for a few more days, because that's really all he does from the human perspective. I believe he is trying to teach a lesson that will last forever, as he regularly does with his teaching. So it's a, it's a trick that has failed momentarily but it is a lesson that lasts for eternity for us. And it's not about taxes at all. It's not about money at all. That's, that's the thing that they use for the teaching, but it's about more than that. It's about allegiances. It's about what we humans think is important in our lives and how we come to that position of understanding what is important in our lives. 
I have to tell you, then as now, taxes are a fact of life. If you don't pay your taxes, somebody will probably sooner or later come to visit you and not happily. So it's about, about more than that, way more than that, something completely different, really. It is about how we have levels of allegiance in our lives, the things that, that cause us to pay attention, uh, the, the people and the programs that motivate us. And just like in our days, probably not quite so much then as now, but, but there were all kinds of people and all kinds of organizations and all kinds of stuff that wanted to make claims on Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus had to be very careful to keep his decision-making process in, in good order. And he gives us a lesson in doing so. And one of the important lessons is that if you want to keep your priorities straight, you have to be willing to ask the tough questions. Priorities just don't work themselves out in your lives. You have to ask the tough questions. You have to do the hard work. That's pretty easy to say, right? Okay, folks, if you want to make good decisions in your life, you have to, you have to ask the, the tough questions, and you have to do the hard work. Pretty easy for me to say, isn't it? And it's a lot harder to do. Just because something is easy, or just because something is simple, it doesn't mean that it's easy, right? Sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do. And here's the problem that I see that kind of comes out at me from this particular story. The problem is that we humans so often let others set priorities for us. We let other people, organizations, tell us what's important for ourselves. There is an industry out there, it's called uh, advertising or communications, whatever, and people spend hundreds of billions of dollars a year to try to convince you that your priorities are not correct. It's their job. They're trying to tell us that their product is better than the one that you're presently using. No one has yet convinced me that, uh, that the ivory soap uh, is not the best. But there are plenty of people that keep trying, for sure. There are advertisers. There are peers. We know all about peer pressure, right? And peer pressure isn't just something that happens to our younger people. It happens to all of us. We have bosses for those who aren't retired. We have bosses. And maybe, maybe for those of you who are retired, you've got even more important bosses. We'll let that one for another sermon. And, and a boss can tell you what your priorities are. And that, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that's why they are the leaders of the companies, the corporations, and whatever. We have families who are trying to tell us what our priorities ought to be. And we have friends. Uh, and, and so the, the issue is not that we have people who are trying to create our priorities for us because we do. That's, that's a fact of life. It's that we need to know who and what we should listen to and 
who and what we shouldn't. So the problem is that we let others set priorities for us, and we need to claim that responsibility for ourselves. Now, another part of this story that is a little bit broader for me is this idea of the emperor. And for me, for Jesus, Jesus was talking about Caesar, right? Give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And what I would like to suggest that the emperor represents something way bigger than just a political authority uh, or something like that. Yes, we do have our state, civil, and social responsibilities that we need to live up to and we need to carry out. But the emperor also includes what I call the cackling voices, the cackling voices of people who are always grabbing at us for one thing or another. And uh, I have to admit, I'm a public radio guy. I don't have a TV. Uh, I don't watch TV unless it's on in somebody's house that I'm visiting. Um, and then I try not to pay attention to it. Uh, but even on public radio nowadays, they have advertisements. They're a little more erudite and fancy, but they're ads just the same. But I don't, I don't have a whole lot of cackling voices that I listen to, but I know that the world is full of them. And you, you dial into your, your Facebook account or, or Instagram or whatever is your favorite social media place, and, and immediately people are trying to get you to act in a certain way to buy certain things. The emperor represents all of that stuff out there in the world grabbing at us all the time. And our job is to remember who we are and who has the most important claim on our lives and how we figure out that we ought to keep our priorities in order. It's not about getting into trouble. It's not about guilt. But rather, it's about knowing asking the questions and knowing what is right by God for us, keeping God in the mix so that God's just not another being out there cackling at us, but really the one who knows what's best for us. It probably ought to be one that we pay more attention to. Because when we obey and listen to God, one of the things that I found out in my life, it's not just about you know, okay, so I obeyed and now I'm feeling better and I don't feel guilty, I find, that, I find that my true self comes out the best because God knows me better than anyone. So God knows what, what is best for me. So I invite you to use this teaching as a kind of a tool. It gives you a question to ask. When we are in situations of anxiety, when we become anxious in our lives, that ought to be a, a little sign for us. Any, anybody besides me here ever get anxious about anything? Well, good, good. I'm glad, I'm glad a few of you are willing to admit that. We get anxious. And one of the things we get anxious about is the choices we have to make the priorities we have in our lives. Now, I would like you to remember this teaching from Jesus at those moments. Now, Jesus speaks another rule that's 
kind of a foundational rule for us in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, seek first the reign of God and God's righteousness, and everything else will work itself out around that. So God isn't just one person, one being in the mix. God, God sits at the top of the heap because God knows what's best for us. So keep God in the mix. And another thing that we can do is, is simply to avoid the stuff that disrupts our faith life. If we ask what God wants for us first of all and above all else, it doesn't mean that we only have to come to church and we only have to do holy things. It just means that that is something of a priority and, and other activities that kind of cut into that priority in our lives doesn't mean we have to throw them out. Now, some of them we do. If you're thinking about robbing a bank, yeah, don't do that, okay? But there's a lot of good stuff out there, but it needs to be ranked under the priorities that God has for us. And so the question that we ask is, when, when we're in that moment of anxiety and we have to make a decision about something we need to be or something we need to do or some way we need to change, I invite you to ask the question that comes from Jesus' uh, teaching here. Is this from the emperor, or is this from God? Is this a part of what the cackling voices of the world and, and you know, chickens cackle and, and their wonderful food and all that stuff? And so the cackling voices, that, that doesn't mean they're all bad. There's a lot of good in that, too. But when we're talking about priorities, who has the priority voice in our lives? Is it the emperor and everything that the emperor represents? Or, or is it God? Disentangling from the emperor, that big bunch of stuff that makes claims on our lives, is not an easy process. It requires effort. It doesn't just happen. And as a pastor of a church where people come to me and say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Uh, should I do this or should I do that? I'm not likely to say, do this and don't do that. I'm likely to say, let's think about this. Let's figure this out. It requires effort. It doesn't require somebody telling you what to do. It requires you to think and to process things, recognizing that the emperor doesn't have ultimate authority over our lives. Rather, God does. It, allow, it, it demands that we acknowledge anxiety in our lives. We don't pretend like everything is always wonderful because we know it's not. And when we are in those activities and in those times of anxiety, we need to take a pretty good inventory of how we're behaving and what we're doing and the decisions we're making and why we're making them. And then ask that simple little question. Is this for the emperor or is this for God? I know it's simple and it's not easy. But it's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. Diligence is required. And it doesn't matter what stage in life we are, whether we're younger families and we have children who are keeping us really busy, whether we're even younger than that and we're trying to figure out what way we're going in our lives, 
uh, when we get to be adults or whether, whether we're older folks. It's, it's important for all of us to keep asking that question. Is this, is this for the emperor or is this for God? If you ever have questions about that, I, I'm, I'm always one who likes to invite you to have your struggles in my presence. Not because I'm going to tell you the answer, but because I'm perfectly willing to struggle with you. Struggled myself for 65 years, been struggling with that question. I had four kids. I know what a busy life is all about, right? Yeah, it's there. It's challenging. It's challenging to ask the questions. And it is rewarding. It is rewarding for those who commit themselves to being disciples of Jesus Christ. Because, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And guess what? Everything else is going to be added unto you. Pretty good reward, I think, for trying to live the way Jesus wants us to live. Thanks be to God for this teaching from his holy word. Amen.